It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Thank God you're here. We're going to study the Word. And you know, last week, anybody remember what we studied last week about joy? Joy of the Lord is our strength. And laughing at the devil, everybody say, ha, ha, ha. Now, this, this morning, turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. Now, whether you realize this or not, we're stirring some things in the Spirit to get some fire stirred in you so we can go from this type of teaching into teaching on authority. Amen. 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 Because if you can understand your authority in Christ and you can operate in that authority the correct way, then I guarantee you your days of being intimidated by the devil are over with. And your days of being an intimidator in the spirit realm will begin. Because you've got to understand, there are some attitudes. Everybody some attitudes. There are some attitudes you have to have if you're going to flow in the authority of the Word of God. And those, are, those attitudes literally come by a revelation of the reality of who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ. And it's reinforced by your attitude of worship, of praise, of joy, and what we're going to study this morning, of glory. Okay, everybody say glory. You know, if you were in law enforcement, they'd teach you not only in law enforcement, but in some of the, in some of the uh, 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 special forces of the military, uh, and anybody that has an aggressive posture. Uh, and when it comes to law enforcement or military or anything like that, they teach them to be assertive. Amen. I mean, if you're a police officer and somebody pulls out a gun, you don't say, hey, uh, please put that gun down. If you've ever noticed, like even on the television shows, I mean, they come at you screaming. They come, in at, they come at you hot. They have a very intimidating presence. Now, God wants you to have a very intimidating presence in the spirit. And it didn't begin by you being mean or anything like that. It begins with you learning and understanding how to worship God, how to glorify God, how to walk in the joy of God, and how literally to glory in the midst of what you're going through because that's the way God wants authority to be released. Yeah. You know, there's, there, there, there's ways of saying things. I, I, could, I, could, I could say to, uh, to Leah, I could say, I could say, sit down, Leah. You know, sit down, Leah. I could say, sit down, Leah. See what I'm saying? There's two different ways of communicating the same thought. And the same thing's true in the Spirit. And you've got to understand what you can and cannot get away with in order to operate in the realm of the Spirit in authority. Amen? Now, Romans chapter 5, let's go there. We're going to look at several scriptures here this morning because I believe this is going to help you. And it's going to shake the religion out of you. Now, that's one of the problems that we have is we're so religiously brainwashed, we need to get rid of that so we can be New Testament taught. Now, true moves of God, I, I, I've been in, in really true moves of God where the Spirit of God moved in unprecedented ways in nations, in cities, in churches. We've even experienced it to a degree in this church. But true moves of God are never quiet. They're never quiet. You say, what do you mean? They're loud. They're, they're, listen, there's all types of activity. There's, there's celebration. Uh, there's jubilation. Uh, there's rejoicing. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of people think, well, if you go to church, you ought to, be rev ought to be quiet. See, we weren't raised like that. We were raised in a church that was full of the power of God, full of the Word of God, full of the Holy Ghost. And the first time I can remember going to my, 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 my grandparents on the other side of the church, they went to the, the, the first Christian church. I thought we were at God's funeral. 
I mean, my parents told us when we come in, they said, now this is not like our church, kids. Y'all gotta be real quiet. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just sit there real quiet. It won't last long. It'll just be about 30 minutes. It won't last long. We'll be, we'll be out of here. We'll go eat barbecue. Amen? And I, I remember going there and they sang these songs with this bum, bum, bum. And I thought, what in the world is all of it? All of it. There wasn't no joy. There wasn't a shout in the place. There were no hallelujahs. There were no glory to God's. Amen? But it shouldn't be like that in the house of God. I'm telling you, Acts chapter 2, when God birthed the church in the power of God, the first thing he did was fill the house with his presence. Then he filled the people with his power. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, everybody say therefore. We'll look on the other side of the therefore in just a moment. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you, you can just shout right there. I'm telling you, God's not mad at you. God's not upset at you. God's not out trying to get you. God's not trying to squish you or mash you or break you or tear you to pieces. You have favor with God. You have, you have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That ought to be a reason to shout right there. It says, by whom also, now notice this closely, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Now notice, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now let me read that again. By faith, by whom also, or by Jesus also, we have access by faith into this grace. Everybody say this grace. Now grace is a, a powerful force. Everybody say force. Grace, when, before you got saved, or if you're not saved this morning, Grace is a force that protects you, keeps you safe, preserves you until you can respond to the gospel. Now, many of you can testify of things in your life uh, that, that, you know, you should have died in a car wreck or you should have been killed in some type of accident or you should have, you know, gone to the penitentiary for some reason or this should have happened or that should have happened, but it didn't happen. You just kind of, well, I guess I just kind of lucked out. Well, honey, it wasn't luck. It was Grace. Let me say that again. It wasn't luck. It was grace. I remember uh, there used to be a full gospel businessman that used to go around and tell his testimony. He was in a car wreck. He was a, he was, he was a drinker. He was a drug addict. And he was driving a car about 120 miles an hour. And he flipped that car end over end 15 times. He didn't even have a seatbelt on. He said, I felt this big arm come around me and hold me into the seat. And when the car finally landed and hit, he said, the door flew open and that, and that arm flipped me out of the car. He said, I knew it was God. He said, I knew it was an angel. He said, I'd never prayed to God. I'd never read the Bible. I knew nothing about God, but God had grace upon me. Well, that set him to searching and he found Jesus got born again, became a great witness in the kingdom of God. Well, listen, all of us have that working in our lives, but, everybody say, but, if you're born again, if Jesus is Lord of your life, grace is no longer unmerited favor. Grace is merited favor because you're in the kingdom. You're in the family of God, so grace belongs to you. So the Bible says, by faith, everybody say by faith, we have access into this grace. Now to understand that, you got to go up before the therefore. Everybody remember what we say about therefore? Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you got to go figure out what it's Therefore, there you go, what it's there for. So instead of getting into a lot of in-depth teaching, it's talking about a guy named Abraham. 
in chapter 4, it's talked about Abraham, talks about how he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, how he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. God gave him a promise way back 25 years before he got the answer. Now, let me say that again. 25 years before he got the answer, God said, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you, and he had to believe God. He had to stand in faith. He had to worship God. But what he had to also, what he had to do is he had to access grace. Because if you don't access grace as you walk in faith, you're not going to make it. The elements will erode your faith and you'll get off into unbelief. Now, let me, let me give you an example. You know, we're familiar here uh, from our schools and, and, and everything with the space program that's up here in NASA. Just right up the freeway here. You know, they send people up in space. They sent someone to the moon, all that kind of stuff. Now, if you were to go up in space and you want to get out and walk around, because if I went up to space, that's what I'd want to do. Anybody else want to go on a space? I'd want to get out there and kind of cruise around. Now, if you just did it in your Wranglers and cowboy boots, or because we're in Galveston, you know, in your, in your Birdwell beach shorts and your flip-flops, eventually, as you open the door, immediately the elements would destroy you. So what do you need? You need a space suit. Have you seen those spacesuits that they were? I remember back in the day when Apollo and, and Jim and I, when I was in school, uh, they were going to the moon doing all that. They had those, uh, they'd carry these little air conditioners that were plugged into these big old suits and they'd be walking up the gangway, fixing to go into that, into that space camp. They had those helmets on. Remember all of that? Now they were given something to cover them so that the elements of space would not destroy them. So today, I'm here to tell you, if you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to put on your grace suit. I said you're going to have to put on your grace suit. So the Bible says we have access by faith into this grace. So what was this grace that Abraham walked in? This grace that Abraham walked in was the ability of God to get him through 25 years. So, man, i got to believe God 25 years to get what I'm believing God for. No, you don't. you got a whole lot more than Abraham ever had. you got the Spirit of God in you. you got the Spirit of God on you. you got the written Word of God. you got the Holy Ghost to teach you. you got a church to come to. And you got a pastor that's not only going to teach you, he's going to prove it to you that it works. I ought to get a better amen than that. No, it's not going to take 25 years. You get your gray suit on, it may only take 25 minutes. Now, notice what it says here. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now, I'm telling you, there comes a day in your life you're going to have to make a stand of faith. You've got to say, bless God, I'm not going to be moved. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I'm prosperous in the name of Jesus. I have joy in the name of Jesus. I have righteousness. Devil, you're not going to knock me over. You're not going to cause me to fall or fail. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand in Jesus' name. And rejoice. Well, praise God. I believe I'll get it someday. You'll never get it. It says to rejoice. We talked about that last. There are times when you've just got to go, ha, ha, ha. Devil, you're a liar. Ha, ha, ha. Jesus is Lord. Ha, ha, ha. The glory of the Lord is mine. Ha, ha. You've got to make, you can't do it because of how you feel. You've got to do it because of what the Word says. 
There's times when you don't feel like dancing, you're just going to have to dance before the Lord. There's times when you don't feel like running, you're just going to have to take a lap or two around the church. There's times when you don't feel like shouting, you're going to have to rise up and shout at your wall. Everybody say rejoice. In the hope or the expectancy of what? The glory of God. Everybody say the glory of God. Now the glory of God is that which is experienced. That which is seen, that which is, that, that's when the pain leaves. That's when the check comes in the mail. That's when the promotion takes place. That's when the business idea takes off. That's when the marriage gets healed. Listen, that's the glory of God in manifestation. But before you get to the glory, you got to have the power. Amen. Everybody say the power. the power. Say, give me the power, Lord. Power. Say, give me the power, Lord. Well, that's what you're getting this morning because the word of God is the power of God. Now, we, we've used this illustration in teaching on redemption. We've used it in teaching on faith, and it bears repeating now. Because, listen, when these truths are refreshed through repetition in you, they become a part of you. Now, in our building here, we have power. Aren't you glad? I mean, outside on a day like today, it's like stepping into a sauna bath. I mean, I thank God it's cool because we have a particular instrument up on the top of this building called an air conditioner. Some man years ago, God bless him. I, I speak blessings over him, amen? God bless whoever he was. He figured out how to take air and cool it down. But listen, we could, we could, have, the, we could have the finest air conditioning system that money could buy sitting on the roof, but without any power, it wouldn't be any good. What does the air conditioning do to the room? What does the air conditioning do to the room? What does the air conditioning do? It changes the atmosphere. What does the Word of God do to your life? What does the Word of God do to your life? What does the Word of God do to your life? It changes the atmosphere. Come on, church. In expectancy of what? The glory of God. For the pain to leave. For the money to come. For the addiction to be broken. For what the, whatever you need. For the miracle to happen that you need to happen in your life. Now, the next verse, verse 3, and not only so, now notice this, but we glory in tribulation. Nobody ever shouts on that one. They, they, they liken the glory of God. Oh, the glory of God. Thank God, the glory of God. Hallelujah, the glory of God. Pray. No, no, no. Now, notice the scripture. Not only so, but we glory, we glory, we glory. Now, listen. Listen, everything that God creates has glory in it. Now, I love this time of the year when, when you know, about, about first couple of weeks of May into the end of June, when the oleanders bloom, the bougainvilleas bloom, the roses bloom, the, the plumerias bloom. All of the plants of nature are doing what? They're giving their glory. That means what was dormant on the inside, oh, you ought to get this, what was dormant on the inside is now expressing itself on the outside. Leah has a, I bought a, a, a picture of a horse for Leah, I don't know what, 10 years ago. Her favorite movie is Secretariat, about the, the horse that was, uh, uh, won the Triple Crown back, I guess it was in the uh, 68 or 69, I think it was. And, uh, and it's the picture of him, of Secretariat, and it's, it's view, the horse is right here in the foreground. The background is that other horse that was 30 links behind. Amen. Now I want you to know that day when he won the, the, the Triple Crown, 
the glory of that horse was revealed. Amen. Amen. We see it in athletics. I mean, you, you, you see an athlete that has a great game. That's the glory of his talent that comes out. See, there's glory in all of God's creation. And there's glory in you. Now, let me say that again. There's glory in you. The problem is many times we, receive, we don't let that glory out when it comes to God. But whatever it is that kind of rings our bell, we'll let that glory out. You know, you, we'll go back and relate it to sports. You know, people go to a, a Dallas Cowboys game or a Houston Texans game or a Houston Rockets game. Or if you had, just think if you had tickets to the, to the, to the uh, uh, NBA World Championship. Uh, don't, don't they, I think they play tonight. So you got a ticket. You're over in, where is it? Sacramento, they'll play from tonight. And so you got a ticket. So you go and you got your ticket and you actually have courtside seats. Anybody want courtside seats tonight? Fly out there on a private jet? Amen. Stay in a beautiful hotel. And so there you are at courtside and here they are back and forth, LeBron and and all the goals, the dunks, the three-pointers. And you just sit there. You never make a move. Is that how you're going to act? I said, is that how you're going to act? I guarantee, I guarantee you. By the end of that game, you're going to be hoarse. By the end of that game, you're going to be sore. Because that, that, those two teams run up and down that court. You're going to be up. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Yeah, I watched them the other night. And every time they make a three-point shot, all those Warriors fans, at one time with no direction, all of them go, yeah, like that. Did you see it? That's glory. The problem with mankind is he doesn't give it to God. He'll give it to a basketball team. He'll give it to a big old trout. He'll give it to a big old deer. Women give it to the 75% shoe off shoe sale at the mall. See what I'm saying? But I've got good news. God wants your glory. I said, God wants your glory. Now, we'll come back here. Put a marker there. We're in Romans. Uh, chapter 5. Just go to Romans chapter 6. Let me show you something. This is interesting. Romans 6 verse 12. Let not sin, Romans 6 12 should be just a page over. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. Now notice this. Neither yield your members. Everybody say members. Say members. Neither lend your members or yield your members Let me find it again. As instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those alive from the dead. And your members, everybody say your members, as instruments of righteousness unto God. Let me read it in the Amplified. Now listen to it in in the Amplified. Let not sin, therefore rule as king in your mortal, short-lived perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lust and evil passions. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instrument or tools of wickedness. But offer, if I say but offer, and yield yourselves to God Though you have been, uh, as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. Now, let me help you a little bit just for a moment. Then we'll go back to Romans 5. Every person born into the human family, doesn't matter. Black, white, red, yellow, green, polka dot, striped. No, doesn't matter. 
All you have to do is be born into the human family and something very unique awakens in you at a particular time in your life. It's called iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. Iniquity, God did not create the human family with iniquity in it. It was transferred to humanity through the sin of the man and the woman in the garden. It actually comes from the devil, comes from Satan. The Bible says of Satan or of Lucifer, he was perfect in the day in which he was created until iniquity was found in him. Now that iniquity in us motivates us. There is a regulator on iniquity called willpower. But willpower has a way of losing its strength. Now, if you've ever raised children, you know that a child, you never have to, have to, you don't have to teach a child how to lie. What do you have to teach them? You have to teach them how to tell the truth. Lying comes natural. You don't have to teach them how to be stingy. Stingy comes natural. You have to teach them how to be generous. Are you with me? All of these negative traits of humanity, all the addictions of the flesh, all of it find their root in iniquity. But thank God, the Bible says Jesus was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. So he took our iniquity on him, on him so that we would not have to be burdened by it any longer. Now that motivation in you, iniquity will motivate you to do things beyond common sense. Amen? I remember the first cigarette I ever smoked. Now, we didn't have alcohol or tobacco in our family because I was raised in a Christian family. So it was a, it was a people that I hung around with. So be careful who your kids hang around with. Amen. And a friend of mine's dad smoked lark cigarettes. I don't know if anybody remembers the larks. They were nasty. They had a charcoal filter, and they were absolutely nasty. And so I remember the first one I lit was about a half-smoked lark we stole out of his daddy's ashtray. And I lit that thing off and took a big old... That's not how it happened. When I did that, my body had more sense than to do that. My body hacked, my body choked, my lungs contracted, my physical body was communicating this word to me. Never put that in me again. So how did I become a two-pack-a-day smoker? I had to override that. I had to override common sense. That's where addictions get created. I remember the first beer I ever drank. I was at Pasadena Rodeo Grounds in Pasadena, Texas, probably 1969, 1970, right around then. And I was walking out of the rodeo arena. Some friends of mine were sitting on the back of a pickup. And I walked up. They had a big ice chest full of Lone Star beer. I'd never tasted alcohol in my life. Never, never had. I was about 15, 16 years old. And I remember opening that Lone Star beer and drinking it. And when I got it in my mouth, this was my thought. I mean, as God is my witness, this is what I thought. Of all the beers in that ice chest, I done grabbed the rotten one. I thought, this is the nastiest tasting stuff I ever tasted in my life. You mean people really like drinking this stuff? What do you have to do? You've got to override that. Iniquity on the inside overrides that. How does that happen? By you yielding your members. Your members, your hands, you never go to the beer joint unless your feet take you there. You ain't never going to roll no joint without your fingers. You're never going to snort no coke unless you line it up. You got to have your members to participate in sin. 
And God says, now that you're born again, this is how to get free from addictions. You say how? Start yielding your members as servants to righteousness. Quit yielding them to us. Now start lifting your hands up to the Lord and praising God. Take your eyes and place them on the Word of God instead of on pornography. So I just can't help myself. Yes, you can. God's put something in you stronger than iniquity called the Holy Ghost. And it can break you free from any addiction, from anything in your flesh. If you will just do what? Yield your members. You've got to give God your glory. You gave it to the devil. Some of you were better sinners than others. I was one of those good sinners. Man, we didn't have parties on the weekend. We had them 24-7. I mean, we went for it. I never experimented with drugs. I was into full-scale investigation, brother. Amen? No, no, I figured, man, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go all the way. But, brother, when Jesus set me free, I'm going to say with the same zeal and the same gusto, I serve the devil. I'm going to serve God the same way, and that's the reason God has blessed my life. You've got to make a decision to give God more than you ever gave the devil. That's your glory. Everybody say, that's my glory. Say, that's my glory. Say, I'm not going to give it to the devil. I'm not going to give it to drugs. I'm not going to give it to alcohol. I'm not going to give it to pornography. I'm going to give it to the Lord. Now, now go, to, go to Psalms. We're going to go back to Romans 5. I, I hadn't forgot. Let me put my marker there. So you see, I'm not, I'm, I'm not messing with you. You ain't got nothing to do. It's raining. Go to Psalms 28. I'm going to run through Psalms real quick, about four quick scriptures. I'm going to show you something that will bless you. Psalms 29. Psalms 29. Verse 1, give glory, give unto the Lord, excuse me, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Now notice what it says, give unto the Lord glory, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Now, now you're right there in 29, go to, go to chapter 30. Now listen to chapter 30, let's see, it's verse 11, chapter 30, verse 11. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. I love it in the Amplified. To the end that my tongue, another member, my tongue and my heart and everything glorious within me. And everything glorious within me may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I give thanks to you forever. What do you think heaven's going to be like? There's going to be people up there giving God glory magnifying God. I trust a lot of the uh, people like Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, these kind of, I, man, I'm believing God they're going to be in heaven. So oh, Michael Jackson, he was a, he was a, I believe whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe God that at a point when she felt his life slipping away, he called out, Jesus, Jesus. I don't send nobody to hell. I heard a great, you want to hear a great testimony? I heard a testimony the other day of how Rock Hudson got saved. Anybody like Rock Hudson? Anybody, oh, he was this and he was that. Did you know he was dying and, and, and there was a lot of negative circumstances? But God put a little Holy Ghost nurse. 
in his, in his house, and she started interceding and praying, and she started bringing him tapes. Back then, it was the, the, the cassette tapes of a particular minister. And one day, the first time, the first time he, he did that, uh, 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 Rock Hudson said, I don't want none of that. I don't want any of that religion. I don't like religion. And they found out later that at age eight years old, he was molested by a priest. And so he, that's why he went the direction he went. But then this, this nurse said, I walked by his room and I heard that preacher preaching. I thought, oh, glory to God. He said his life began to wane. He said, uh, he, said, uh, uh, he said about three days before he died, he said, I went in and he said, you ready to give your life to the Lord? He said, yes, I am. And he prayed the sinner's prayer and got born again and died three days later. And in People Magazine, in his expose after he died, he put his, here, this was his last quote, I've made it right with God. Amen. John Wayne's up there. There was great testimony. Uh, these people had such glory in them, natural glory in them on the earth. What are they up there doing now? They're giving glory to God. What did Jesus say? Pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does God want on earth? He wants us to give our glory to him. Go to Psalms 57. Now look at this. Notice how it's connected to singing and praise and worship. Psalms 57. I love, love these things that talk about us doing something. We always want, when's God going to do something? When, God, when are you going to do something? Amen? Look at, look at Psalms 57, verse 7. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Now listen to this, verse 8. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery. We say it like this. Wake up, guitar. Wake up, drums. Wake up, organ. Wake up. And then it says this, I myself will awake early. I like it in the Amplified. Listen to the Amplified. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is steadfast and confident. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory, my inner self. Awake harp, awake lyre. I will awake right early. I will awake in the dawn. You know, you know the sunrise and the sunset, that's the glory of God. That's the glory of God in manifestation. David says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to wake up to sunrise with my glory. I'm going to get up. I'm going to wake up to sunset with my glory. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise. I'm going to glorify. I'm going to magnify. Talking about something we do, something we express. Are you with me? Psalms 108. I got two more. You like this? Psalms 108. Oh, I like this in verse 1. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. I love it in the Amplified. Oh, God, my heart is fixed, steadfast in confidence of faith. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises even with my glory. All the faculties and powers of one you created in your image. Now, let me just say something to you, Hot Rod. You're only here because of God. If I could, you say, well, I'm not saved. I don't believe God. I don't even want anything. If I could reach in you and take out the God element, you'd fall over dead. Well, I don't want to serve God. I don't want to trust God. He's the only reason you breathe. He's the only reason 
your heart beats. He's the only reason you can get out of bed in the morning. He's the only reason your mind can gather thought. He's the, I don't care. You say, I'm not a Christian. I don't want none of that. I don't care. He's still the only reason. And it is his grace that covers you and keeps you from dying and going to a sinner's hell. Come on, church. One more. How about one more? Psalms 149. You ought to go through Psalms and look at all these scriptures. They're great. I mean, there's a bunch more of them in there. Psalms 149. This is another good one. Let me find it here. Verse 5, Psalms 149. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in the, upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Listen to it in the Amplified. Let the saints be joyful. Let the saints be joyful in the glory and beauty which God confers upon them. Let them sing for joy upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and a two-edged sword in their mouths, in their hands. Woo, glory to God. Go back to Romans now. Oh, man, I still got 20 minutes. Isn't this good? Romans chapter 5 back. Now, Romans chapter 5, begin in verse 1 again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope or the expectancy of the glory of God. So what we're talking about is accessing faith, accessing grace for you to walk in faith. Now, let me say that again. Accessing grace. Everybody say, God, give me grace. Say, God, give me grace. Now, this gives us the correct way to get grace into our lives. So that grace will cause us, if we need to believe God for an hour, if we need to believe God for two hours, if we need to believe God all day, if we need to believe God for a week, if we need to believe God for a month, or if we need to believe God for 25 years, you're able. Everybody say, I'm able. I said, you're able. Everybody say, I'm able. Not by your own might, not by your own ability, but you're able by the grace of God. Now, you ready? You ready? Here we go. Verse 3. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Now, this, listen, this is unheard of in the body of Christ. People don't glory in tribulations. Now, the first time I heard this preached, I was on my way to a camp meeting in Corpus Christi, Texas, back in about 1992. And I heard a well-meaning preacher talk about how if God wants to give you patience, he's going to give you a lot of tribulation. I'm going to show you that. Well, that's a lie. And he preached that message for about 30 minutes as I drove from Wadsworth to Palacios. Anybody know the road? I got to Palacios. I was so mad, I didn't know what to do. I was about ready to yank the, the, the CD player out of my car. I mean, I, the picture he painted was this, that here's God up in heaven, and he loves you so much that he'll break your leg. Yeah, he gave the, gave the illustration of the picture of Jesus holding the little lamb, you know, the 90 and 9, he went after the one, but the one he went after, he broke his leg. Where did they get that? 
I thought to myself, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Then he talked about, well, if you're going through a divorce, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, if you've this or that, well, that's God. He's, he's doing that to you because he knows there will be a greater glory, and he knows that that tribulation in your life, that will create real patience as you wait around to die. Basically, that's what he preached. I mean, I was hollering at the radio, no, 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 anything but that. So as soon as I got to Corpus, I started digging into the Word, and I started asking the Holy Ghost, what does this mean? What does this mean? And this is what the Spirit of God gave me. Now notice what it says. It says that not only so, but what? We glory. Now you got to understand something. Satan is a spiritual bully. And he's going to hit you. I said he's going to hit you. And he's going to hit you for purpose of reaction. Amen? I was watching a movie the other day. So I like the Western channel. There's the Western and, the, and these two guys are going to fight. And one of them was, yeah, I think I could take him, all this kind of stuff. And the other was kind of, kind of a big guy. And so this guy reached up there and just, while they were fixing to shake hands, this guy thought, I'm going to sucker punch this guy. And boom, he hit him. And that guy just smiled. And the other guy knew, I done hit the wrong person. Now, the enemy will hit you to gauge your reaction so that he will be able to, term, to determine whether he can hit you again. Now, you think of this. If you ever get in a toe-to-toe with somebody and you hit them and they just kind of smile and look at you with this look in their eyes like, I'm fixing to dismantle you. You know that you hit the wrong person. Now, remember where we're heading, heading in this. We're heading to what? The authority of the believer. That's why a lot of people never operate in the authority that God gives them in Christ. The authority in the name of Jesus. Remember we said you're going to have to be a spiritual law enforcement officer. Which means there's going to be times you're going to say, put down that gun. Stop messing with my body. Stop messing with my finance. In the name of Jesus. You're going to, you're going to, have, you're going to have to get tough. Someone said, well, you know, God's not deaf. Well, he's not nervous either. (laughs) Amen? Amen. And sometimes authority is not only just seen, it's heard. And a lot of people never have that in their life because the minute the enemy sucker punches them, instead of yielding their members to God, they yield their members to the problem. Oh, my God, I don't know if I can go through this again. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm telling you, he's going to ball his fist up again, and he's going to hit you again and again and again and again, and he's going to beat you to pieces. And I'm going to tell you why. You let him. Because God has put more in you than that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to glory, not for, but in the tribulations. That means when the devil hits you, you just lift your hand. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father. I count it all joy. Here's another opportunity to prove faith works, to prove that Jesus is on the throne, to prove that he's my Lord, to prove that he's my healer, to prove that he's my righteousness, to prove that he's my prosperity. Devil, you hit me. You're going to regret hitting me because the way you hit me, I'm going to hit you back 10 times for every time you hit me. 
and you begin to shout. You don't feel like shouting, but you shout. You begin to dance. You don't feel like dancing, but you dance. You begin to glorify. You begin to magnify God. You let what's in the inner self begin to come out and you bloom or you blossom in the praises and worship of God. Now notice, notice. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation knowing, also knowing that tribulation worketh, not produces. Let me try that again. Some of you need to hear this. Worketh. That means, here she is over here. And they call patience in the feminine. So she's over here doing nothing. She's standing in the unemployment line. That's what she's doing. She ain't got a job. She ain't got nothing to do. So she's standing there. And the devil, devil comes and hits you in life, hits your physical body, hits your finances, hits your marriage, hits your life. And you just, instead of crying and moping and moaning, you just put your hands up. You start worshiping God. You, you take two or three laps around your house, shouting and glorifying God. You begin to magnify and exalt God. You begin to worship and glorify God. All of a sudden, patience says, hey, man, I ain't no longer unemployed. Because that person over there, in the midst of their tribulation, they're worshiping God, which means they're accessing grace, which means I have to go to work. Now, what is patience? Anybody know what patience is? Cheerful. Everybody say cheerful. Endurance with consistency. Say it again. Cheerful. Endurance with consistency. That means no matter what you're going through, you got a smile on your face. Got a skip in your step. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Ha, ha, ha. The devil is defeated. Ha, ha, ha. He's not going to destroy me. Glory to God. We thank you, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. The devil is defeated. Amen. I mean, you literally, you say, well, nah, that's, just, that's just a big put on. What did we say last week? That's exactly what it is. You're putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You're putting on your worship. You're putting on that which is of God. And you're manifesting your glory. You're not giving it to a basketball team. You're not giving it to a football team. You're not giving it to a big old fish or big old animal. You're giving your glory to God. Cheerful endurance with consistency. Now, that's, that, this is the phenomenon that I, I'm so sorry. Please pray. This is one thing. If you're going to pray for your pastor, here's how to pray. Because I have no compassion on people who are inconsistent. Well, you need to have compassion for them. Why? I can't help them. I, can't, I can only have compassion on people I can help. Now, here's, here's, the, here's what frustrates me. You run into somebody out in the street, over at the mall, the grocery store somewhere, and, and, and you see them, you know, you know they used to come here. They used to be a part of the ministry here. And, and I hadn't seen them in six weeks. I hadn't seen them in two months. So you ask them, well, praise God, you, God moved you to another church. You moved to another city or something. Oh, no, no, we, we still come to Island Church. Well, I haven't seen you in service. Well, you know, we're going through some things. We're going through some things. Yeah. And, you know, we got, we got some health issues, we got some financial issues, some stuff has come up in our marriage. And, and, and so what we're doing is, is we're, we're not coming to church because we're going through some things. 
Now, you listen. If you got laid out in the street out here by a car, and you're laying there with your leg broke, and we run up to you and say, call an ambulance, let's take him to the hospital, and you say something like, well, nah, you can take me to the hospital. I'm too hurt to go to the hospital. I'd say, check their head. I'd be like, if you hadn't eaten in three weeks, you know, your, your stomach's rubbing a blister on your backbone because you don't have, hadn't had no food. And I say to you, come on, man, you haven't had a meal in three weeks? No, man, I, I'm, so, I'm so hungry I can't eat. Amen. We, all, we used to use the illustration of, you know, being too ugly to go to the beauty parlor, salon or whatever. But we quit using that because Leah said quit using that. Amen. But I've always said a little paint can help any old barn, you know. So we would think in, in very abstract ways, in very abstract ways of people that say, oh, I'm too hurt to go to the hospital. I'm too, I'm too sick to go to the doctor. I'm too hungry to go to the grocery store. I'm too ugly to go to the beauty salon. I'm too this, I'm too... We think, that's crazy. But then when people say, well, I, I, I'm in too much pain to go to church. I'm hurting too much to go to church. I have too many problems to go to church. Why do you think you're going to get your help? I said, where do you think you got to have some consistency? Listen, on your worst day, if all you can do is put on your bathrobe and your fuzzy pink slippers and sit on the back row and cry, we got a cry room for you. <laughs> David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Listen, when you begin to glorify God in the midst of your problem, when you begin to exalt and sing praises unto him, when you begin to give God your glory, you're accessing that grace which is going to cause patience to come and go to work. You're going to have cheerful endurance with consistency. I'm telling you, there's been times I didn't want to go to church, times I didn't want to give, times I didn't want to tithe, times I couldn't go, times I couldn't tithe. I did it anyway. I put forth maximum effort with pain in my body, with no money in my pocketbook, with nothing going for me. I made a decision. It's worth it to be consistent in the things of God. It's part of patience in my life. Amen. Amen. Now, how about one more? Is this helping anybody this morning? Now notice, and not only so, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations work with patience and patience experience. Now we'll close with that one. My time's up. Now, God wants you to have experience, not negative experience. You know, one of the, one of the worst phrases we use in the human experience is this, experience is the best teacher. It's not. How many ever did something stupid and didn't learn a stinking thing by it? And then you did it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I met a guy one time that was on his way. It was his fourth time going to the penitentiary. You know, we got the three strike rule now, and this was the fourth time. Going for, now, he did the same thing four times. Four times. Not some big criminal, not some big drug cartel dealer. What he did is he liked new cars. And so the first time he did it, they gave him probation. He went and broke into a car lot, stole a key, and drove a car for three months. Guess what? They caught him. Put him on probation for 10 years. 
About three months after they put him on probation for 10 years, guess what he did? He broke into a car lot. He stole a key to a new car and drove it for three months. This time they caught him and sent him to the penitentiary for two and a half years. He got out of the penitentiary, was out a week. Guess what he did? He went to a car lot, broke into the car lot, stole a key, got a key, and drove a new car for six months this time. He told me, I was listening to him telling the story. He said, I drove it for six months this time. You know what happened? They caught him. They caught him. This time he went to jail for 10 years. After 10 years in the penitentiary, guess what he did a week after he got out? He went and broke into a car lot and got a key to a new car and stole a new car off the car lot and drove it for three weeks. Guess what? They caught him. Now he was on the way to the penitentiary for life. Four keys cost him his life. What did he learn? Nothing. Now we take an extreme situation like that, but how many areas in our life that we do the same thing over and over and over, and how's that working for you? Amen? When God does not want the negative experience, He wants you to have, when I was meditating on this years ago, here's what the Holy Ghost said in my spirit. I want you to have a spiritual resume that is an intimidation to hell. Where they see you in the 80s and you were trying to get started in ministry and Satan did everything he could do to stop you. But you had some patience, some cheerful endurance with consistency. You accessed some grace and you gained some experience. And then in the 90s, two times when he tried to kill you with diseases, all of a sudden you had some patience, you accessed some grace and you walked in faith and the enemy couldn't do it. And then in the early 2000s when you had to make this decision and then in 2008 and in 2006 and the Lord just began to say, you need to build a spiritual resume that when the enemy looks at you, he's not near as able to defeat you as he is as someone else. Why? Because of the experience that you've had of a lifetime of what? Glorifying God. You got to learn to glory in your tribulation, church. You got to count it all joy. You say, well, you don't know what kind of pain I am. Well, you don't know what kind of pain I've been in. So you don't know how it hurts. You don't know how I've hurt it. But I've used this principle for 30-something years. And I have found out that if you will have a persistent flow in your life, there will be a persistent flow of God into your life. If yours is inconsistent, then that's the way God will treat you, in an inconsistent manner. But if you will make a decision, I'm going to access the grace of God on my worst day. Nobody's going to know it. Because they're going to see me smiling. They're going to see me with a skip in my step. They're going to see me dancing during the praise and worship. They're going to say, I guarantee if you just watch Lee and I over the years, you can always tell when we're going through something. You say, why? Because you would think, boy, I wonder what happened to them. Oh, they must have got a big check in the mail. They must have got a good dot. No, it's actually the opposite. That's when we're glorifying God. That's when we're magnifying God. That's when we're giving God our glory. Because when you do that, get ready. God's fixing to accelerate the answer into your life. Amen. Lift your hands and magnify God this morning. Father, we worship you. We thank you, Father, for the glory of God. We thank you for the goodness of God. We thank you for that all that you're doing, Heavenly Father. 
and all the blessings, and all the blessings, Lord, and all the blessings, Father, that you desire to pour out upon your people. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.